coffee uh, for Eddie. But you may notice that the, the uh, Kino Lemans are not here this morning. They are uh, traveling to Chicago to vote. Uh, neat little thing about Brazil, if you're a, a citizen, you're legally mandated to vote. Imagine that. Um, and so they have to go to Chicago nearest embassy to vote today because it's their presidential election. And so that's why they're not here today. But our worship team did an amazing job. Let's give them a hand, right? So, uh, so it's so good. Pray for them as they travel back this afternoon uh, from voting and uh, doing the things. If you don't know, the Limas are dual citizens in Brazil and in America. And we just enjoy the aspect of, of what God does with their family and our ministry. And so pray for them today. Amen. It is good to be here, and today is the last day of our Jordan journey. Oh, hey, that's all right. I like that. You've enjoyed this, right? Um, uh, but we've got a couple of things that need to happen, and, and uh, of course, my wife and I will be traveling to do some ministry uh, in Florida and those things, and so my, uh, Matt, Elder Matt, is going to be preaching next Sunday. Amen. <laughs> And then the man, the myth, the legend himself, Eddie Lima, will have the following Sunday because I'm going to be in Pawpaw and get to share up there on the 16th. And so that's going to be excited. And then on the October 23rd, not only is our Bible memory going to be uh, highlighted and Blended Family is going to kick off their 12-week uh, ministry campaign, but we are going to start our marriage sermon series that we have titled Masterpiece. And so there's a lot to look forward to. Amen. So we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to come to this, this circle. Now, I, we've gone back through this, counting Red Sea Revelations and the Jordan journey. We've got over 20 weeks invested in hearing from the Lord. Hello, somebody. I mean, it's almost six months we've been on this journey. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, it doesn't feel that long. That on Sunday mornings, God has been taking us from where we were to today where he wants us to be. Come on, somebody. And this has been an, an amazing series to put together, to work through, to study, to take our team and say, what is God sharing uh, and how is God doing that? Today, I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. And we're going to pick up at verse 13. Last week, we crossed over finally. We were able to receive the fact that God has laid up Ebenezer's in our congregation. Today, in verse 13, I want to talk about Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. Now, I'm going to talk about ancient Jericho, not the Jericho you might Google and see some of those things. We're going to talk about the first time we ever encountered the city, the first time that it's ever been experienced. We're going to talk about ancient Jericho. And it might shock you some of the details that we're going to bring out in this. But verse 13 says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. Now, if you're a warrior, how many ever just looked up and not expected someone to be standing there and it spooks you? Imagine if you're a warrior... On the cusp of battle, and you look up, and not only is someone standing there, but the person standing there has a weapon in their hand. Can you imagine what's happening inside of Joshua's mind? And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
And he said, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I've come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to my servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. Jericho was shut up because of the people of Israel. Jericho was not shut up because of some other invading army. They were not shut up because uh, they, they had some other enemies that they were concerned about. They were shut up because of the people of Israel. It's interesting to me, they don't know the people of Israel. They've got no encounter with them. They've got no experience with them. They've, got no, they've had no battles with them. Here is this fortified city that shut up because of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho unto your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. So shall you shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear the trumpets of ram, the horns before the ark. And on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. When they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat, and the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Let's pray. Father, here we are in front of the word again. Would you bless it to the receiving of our ear and our heart? In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Now, we're leaving the Jordan River behind, uh, and, and we're in this place where now I need you to just picture the scene and I want you to move through the story with them. So we're, we're leaving behind uh, uh, the, the river, the thing that they have longed uh, uh, to cross. Finally, they've crossed it and they begin to leave, leave it. And the very first thing that happens to them is a roadblock. Here we are finally our feet on the soil of the promised land. After everything we've been through, we're on the road to God's promise. And who would know? There's a roadblock. Everybody say roadblock. And it comes into view. Here's the interesting thing about Jericho is the word of who Israel was had spread in front of them for 40 years. The word of what God had done at the Red Sea. You think we've been at this for almost six months. For 40 years, the word of what God did at the Red Sea had gone forward in front of the people of God. It wasn't rumors, it wasn't conjecture, it was the word of what happened. And for 40 years, it went in front of them. Come on, somebody. Let me put it to you this way. For 40 years, everyone in the path of Israel had to hear about the great and mighty things that the God of Israel was doing for his people. It had to be disbelief in the beginning. But you know how you hear something, you don't believe it, and it just fades away, and you're like, see, it was nothing. But this never faded. 
For 40 years, the news of the Red Sea kept coming, kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. It never went away. It never went away. It never went away. It was in front of them. They'd never met Israel, but what they had met, what they had met was the good news of their good God. And that if God could split the Red Sea, what are our walls? If God could split the Red Sea, what are our weapons? I mean, if their God is doing that for them, can you imagine that every town in front of them was full of anxiety and full of tension because of who the Israelites were? Look at verse 1 in chapter 5. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they crossed over, their hearts melted. And there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. We're next. We're next. Come on, somebody. And so here they are, camping at Gilgal. They, they, they'd observed all the things that they hadn't done in the wilderness. Uh, one of the things that they had observed was uh, 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 the Jewish rite of circumcision. Hello, hello, somebody. There's going to need to be some rest after that. They had observed the Passover. And now Joshua, the great general, turns his attention to Jericho. They strongly fortified City, And the Bible declares to us that it was shut up because of Israel. Now, that's got to give you some confidence right away going in. It's like, it's like home field advantage. It's like we got confidence. This belongs to us. And you're in the way. But here's the problem. Joshua had no idea how to defeat the city. Because the walls of Jericho seemed impenetrable. That was their defense. That was their greatest tool was their walls. And you can do a lot of study about it. It's very interesting. And so you would say, well, if the walls are too strong to penetrate, let's just siege the city. That's a, that's a military tactic. We'll just starve them out. We'll thirst them out. We'll just wait. We'll cut off their supply lines. But the problem was Jericho was built on an oasis. And so they had all the water they need. And it never ran out. And with that water, not only could uh, they deal with their thirst, but they could grow. They could do. They could raise their livestock. They could do everything they needed because inside the city was an oasis. In the middle of this desert was something no one else had. A siege isn't going to work. Hello, somebody. It's not going to work. Joshua's got a roadblock, an obstacle in his path. That he has no idea how to deal with. Let me ask you this question as we get started down this path. Do you, do you have any obstacles in your path that you've got no clue how to deal with? Have all the regular things that you've tried to do not work? Oh, come on, somebody. Listen, I, I've got this pattern when I get discouraged. Ask my wife of the things that I do. I get discouraged, I go right to the Word. 
Boom. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work out where did I'm going to get in there, man, and I'm going to write some things. Some sermons might come out of that, those type of things, right? I'm going to go right here. I'm going to sit down. But you know what? There's been some moments, right, where like this is my pattern. This is what I do. There's a roadblock, and, and it's happened. I wasn't expecting this to be in the path, and I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back here, and I can remember telling my wife it's not working. Not that the Word of God isn't effective, it's just, what's wrong with me? I have no idea how to handle this. I have no idea how to deal with this. I have no idea how to walk this out. I have no idea. Jericho is literally a roadblock. And we all have those through life. Come on, somebody say yes. I mean, we can call them limitations. We, 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 we can call them hindrances. We can call them hurdles. We can call them obstacles. We can do all those things. But maybe, maybe you might just have a different word for your roadblock. Maybe, maybe your word might be handicap. Maybe, maybe your word for roadblock might be improvision. Maybe, maybe your, road for wor- your roadblock might be sickness or disease. Where did this come from? Why is this happening? I don't know how to deal with this. Everything we've tried. Y'all not. I'm trying to. Maybe your word for roadblock is depression. Maybe, maybe your word is foreclosure. Maybe your roadblock would be unfaithfulness, unemployment. Loneliness, grief, addiction. We all have a word. Come on. We're all on the road to God's promise. And so therefore we all have a word that might represent a roadblock. What is it? It's that thing. It's that first thing we encountered that we were not expecting. That we did not and we have no idea how to deal with it. You know what Joshua did? He simply called his roadblock Jericho. And he had no idea what to do next. Where's Moses? That's what I would have done before. But Moses says, where's the council? I have no idea what to do next. And so I can imagine that as he's examining this problem in his path, and we all do it, we all try to work through it, we all try to rationalize it, we all try to, 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 to what is it? So I got Psalms 4, where I'm going there, I'm, I'm trying to work through uh, Psalms chapter 2, Psalms chapter 5, Psalms chapter 7, I'm trying to work through these warring Psalms, I'm trying, I'm trying to lay Psalms 32, I'm trying to grab a hold of some things, I'm, trying, I'm just reading them out loud as a prayer, Lord, I am praying, hello somebody, and it's just right, I don't know what to do. I'm examining this problem, and can you imagine that while he's examining this problem, he just happens to look up, and there's another problem. How come problems always come in pairs? Am I, I'm the only one. Not right now. Come on, you ever just been struggling with something, and somebody else wants to bring you something else to struggle with? Hey, so while you're at it, while you're frustrated, while you're aggravated, while you're down and out, take this. You know what? 
Why are you discouraged? You have just been, you, you, ever just, you have just been in one of those moments and you're just battling one thing, right? And, 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 and you're trying to just deal with that. All of a sudden you get a text and you're like, I ain't opening that. <laughs> or you, you try to check your email, you just, I ain't opening that. How come problems always come in? It's, it's just me, I get it. Not y'all. It's just me. 20 feet away, too. It ain't even that far away. It's not like, God, you couldn't put that problem back, uh, that far down the road. Let me get through with this one, and then I'll get to that one. No, 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 no. I'm dealing with one problem. All of a sudden, this one jumps the line. You got time for you. That's what Joshua was saying. Are you for me or them? I don't have time for you. Come on, your spouse ever come to you while you're dealing with something, and they got something else? I ain't got time. I don't, I don't have time for you. Or your kids. Oh, I don't have time for this right now. Your boss. Come on, you got something some didn't work right at, at work and you're trying to fix it and then all of a sudden somebody else got something that didn't work. I don't have time for this. And it jumps the line. Stop. You just want to look at it and say, get in line. I know I'm the only one. I'm, I'm it. I'm the only one. That's okay. First Jericho, now this guy. First Jericho, now this guy. And I love this scene because in my mind, I am seeing a warrior who's struggling to figure out how to do what God has called him to do. I'm seeing a warrior who's not faint about his calling, who's not doubting who he is. I'm seeing a warrior who's willing to embrace what's in front of him, but he doesn't have any idea how to do it. I'm seeing a guy who wants victory, who wants to win. His struggle, I don't think as much as as Jericho is, I don't want to fail God, and I don't want to fail God's people. He's a warrior. He's ready to fight. He's ready to battle. He just needs the battle plan. And he looks up, and there's another warrior. Can you see right away? I don't have time for this. You got yours drawn, I can draw mine too. And you can see these two warriors facing off with each other. It's about to go down. Joshua, Joshua, listen. You better know something about him. You better go ask somebody. He was a warrior. He wasn't a politician. No, no. He knew how to use his sword, and he kind of liked it. He was ready. And so Joshua, he's got his hand on the hilt of his sword, and he's like, hey, let's size each other up. I got you. I got you. You might be taller, but I got those knees. I'll hack you down from the bottom. Let's go. I had, I had many a guy get me down on the ground as a little guy. Let me go real quick because I'm biting something. I, you think I won't? I'll chew you down. Let's go. There is he. He's just, these warriors, they're sizing each other up. And Joshua's got his hand on the hilt of his sword. And he's like, hey, let's just solve it right now. I don't have time for this. Are you for me? Are you for them? Good question.
Let me help you out. This is no angel. And let me tell you why. Because every time in the scripture that someone encountered an angel and they bowed down, that angel said, stop that. Get up. I am a servant like you. You will not worship me. No angel ever declared that the person they were speaking to was standing on holy ground. This is no angel. This is the commander of the army of the Lord. This is Jesus himself. And as Joshua worshipped, this invincible commander extends who he is by saying, it's the wrong question. Don't ask me if I'm for you or if I'm for them. I'm not on your side. Come on, somebody. I'm on the, I'm, I'm, I'm on the Lord God Almighty's side. And behind this warrior standing in front of Joshua is Jesus himself is, is the heavenly troops ready to implement God's plan. What a moment. Joshua standing face to face with Jesus. Not the little Jesus you got on your wall holding a lamb with a somber face. He's standing face to face with King Jesus. The one who's already got his sword drawn because he's already victorious. The one who's not waiting for the battle to start. The one who's already fought the battle. He's standing there face to face. Drawn sword representing the judgment of God. And he says to him in verse 15. Take your shoes off. I mean, we're about to go at it. If I'm not fighting you, I'm about to go fight them. This is not a good plan. Take my shoes off. I don't have time for this. Why this command? Can I just share something with you? When you are standing upright... The soles of your feet are the only thing touching the ground. Let's just work through this because the Bible says that in each foot, in each, so not the Bible, but science shows us that in each foot there are over 200,000 nerve endings. Close to half a million of your nerve endings are standing on the ground holding the entire weight of your body. Your body rests on all of those nerve endings. And by taking off his shoes, there was nothing to get away of him experiencing the holy ground of God. The full weight of who he was was standing on the holy ground of God. What better way to experience this than with your unhindered Full weight. Well, church, I got to ask you a question. I got to ask you a question. I got to ask you a question. When the Lord Himself shows up, what 
We don't want anything between us and Him. And so what are you wearing right now that's between you and God? Come on, what, what do you have on that's hindering your full weight from leaning into and resting on the holiness of God? Are you wearing unforgiveness? And it's keeping you from experiencing the full holiness. Are you, are you carrying around anger? Are you living in excuses? What do you have on, church? Are you living in offense? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it out loud. And you'll just love me because we've got to live in eternity forever together. But willingly living in offense allows you to justify your bitterness. And that is your hindrance from fully experiencing God. And you need to deal with that. You need to take that off. You need to take that off. Because let me tell you something. We all get offended. Me too. Hello, somebody. Man, I have called these elders more than once to just go off. Somebody hurt my feelings. Somebody's mean to me. And every one of them. So? What's wrong with being offended? You'll be all right. Hello, somebody. Willingly living in that, willingly living in unforgiveness, willingly living in anger, willingly living in excuse, willingly living in offense. I could go on and on and on. It allows you to justify your bitterness. Take it off. Take it off. You want to feel the holiness of God from the soles of your feet to the depths of your soul. Can you imagine how he felt when his toes sank into the sand under his feet? Come on. Now, I'm not by any means suggesting that when we have problems, the simplest answer is to take off your shoes. But here's what I am saying. Whenever you have an obstacle that you cannot overcome, God's been speaking to me. I'm, I'm personally, in the, just in the last little bit, whenever you have an obstacle that you cannot overcome, you need to remember where the salvation of the Lord has placed your feet on holy ground. And the ground is holy because He is present. He is there. And when the Lord is near, He intends to deliver. I need, you to, I, need you, I need you to grab that. When the Lord is near, He intends to deliver. Wrong question, Joshua. You need to be on my side. 
This ain't about me being on your side. This is about you being on my side. We just need to clear that up right now before what happens next happens. Because you got to get this straight, Joshua, because there's a lot more obstacles and roadblocks along the way. And we want to clear this up right away. See, Jesus jumped the line because he wanted to give Joshua a revelation. And so a plan comes up unlike anything we'd ever imagine. It's a special opportunity to experience his holy and blessed presence. We all need to stop obsessing over our Jericho and start looking at Jesus. He knows exactly what to do. So here's the plan. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I got a plan. Great. Give me that plan because I know it's got to be some. It, oh, if it's, if it's God's plan, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be like deep and it's going to be like powerful and it's going to be this revelation and there's the supernatural. It's going it, to, man, just go, lay it on me, Jesus. Walk in a circle. That's the plan. We've been doing that for 40 years. <laughs> really, that's the plan? See, you don't read your Bible like I do. That's the plan. Come on, I know. Listen, I'll be watching football. And I'll be like, that was the plan? Everybody needs to be fired right now. Right now. Half what half time don't don't even come out back on the field. Get a whole new coaching staff. That was the plan. Not ready to play football. Not ready to play football. Not re- that was the plan. Come on, in life, have you ever felt like God spoke to you in your prayer time over something you've been wrestling with, and God speaks about how to deal with it, and you don't receive it because you don't believe? It can't be that simple. It just can't be that. I've already been doing that. Walk around the city. That's the craziest strategy. But let me tell you something. That's on par with God. If you read your Bible a little bit, you'll say, yeah, sure is. Hey, Gideon, take 300 men. That's the plan? No, 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 I'm not done. Take some torches and some pitchers. Wait a minute, what about bows and swords and cannons and... No, 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 no. 300 men, that's the plan? How about David? Take a slingshot. That's the plan? (laughs) Why not armor, bigger soldier? How about somebody bigger than Goliath? That would be a good plan, God. Nope, I like a rock and a string of leather. That's the plan? How about Jehoshaphat? We got, we got, we got to defeat these invading enemies, these hordes of invaders. God, we got to defeat. And God's like, oh, just start a choir. Would you go sing them to death? That's the plan? How about Hezekiah? 
Lord, we need a plan. I got one. I'm going to send I got one. I got, everybody's busy. Just relax, Hezekiah. I got one angel I can spare. <laughs> that's, that's the plan? Yeah, 185,000 dead enemies later, I think that was a pretty good plan. How about Acts? Small band of uneducated men. That's the plan? Come on, Jesus. That's the plan? Yeah, we all here today, aren't we? It was a pretty good plan. It's interesting to me that our part in the supernatural is always something so simple. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. In case you want that reference, that's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the surpassing power of God belongs to him and not to us. That's the plan. Because you know what, Jesus? I'm a crackpot. <laughs> I leak <laughs> a lot. You're going to pour your power into me. It ain't going to stay around. I leak. I am a cracked pot, Lord. You agree with that way too much. I may be a cracked pot, but I'm no shrinking violet. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. You have, you have no idea the kind of prayers I've prayed. Like they might scare you. Because I'm ready to go where he leads and to do whatever he says. Isaiah 26, 12 says, tell us. Or it tells us whatever's done. But he's the only one doing it. And, and listen, in, in, in other words, whatever we achieve is simply the result of what God himself is doing in us. Through us and with us. He's the accomplisher of our achievements. Everything we think, everything we do, he's actually doing. And I want to get it. I, I mean, I want to be honest with us in our sermons. I want to be honest with us in our time together like this. I just want to be real with all of us. Because we're all just walking with Jesus. But if you're bearing a strain that's load and heavy... One that's painful and hurtful. If, if you feel like you're at the place where you're undertaking a project that's too big. Or there's an obstacle in front of you that's too rigid. You know what we need to do? We need to remember we're not in charge. And that none of those obstacles took God by surprise. God knew exactly where Jericho was. And for 40 years in their wandering, he decided that they were going to cross the Jordan River at that spot so that the first place they would encounter was Jericho. You need to understand why this is so important. I'm going to share it with you in a minute. Because if you blink, you could miss Jericho. If you're off by just a little bit in your crossing, 
you'd go by it and not see it. I'm talking about ancient Jericho. But in this moment where we're at, in our moments of greatest struggle, they're God's greatest moments to show up as commander of the Lord's army. You're on holy ground. I want you to embrace that. Think about this. Their first obstacle in the promised land of people who had wandered in circles for 40 years, and they're about to watch in circles for seven more days. Listen, what they thought was frustrating for 40 years was actually their preparation for God's first victory in their life. I'm just telling you that we go through some things and God doesn't waste our sufferings. God doesn't waste our struggles. God doesn't waste our wrestlings. God uses them for preparation for where we're going to be. And maybe one day you had to work through a season of sickness and disease so that you could confidently stand up and pray for someone else that they could receive healing because you received healing. Maybe you became an overcomer in a certain area so that one day you could meet somebody else who didn't believe that they could be an overcomer and now you stand in front of them and say, no, let me introduce you to the commander of the Lord's army, the one who helped me overcome. Just maybe, just maybe your marriage sucks right now. Because God's calling you into marriage ministry. God helped them all. It's preparation. See, the problem is we never look at our pain as prep. We never look at our struggle as prep. We never look at our obstacles as prep. We never look at our roadblocks as God wanting to reveal something to us. My wife and I had to take a detour one time, and I was, I was late. I don't like being late. We were going to be late, and now the detour is there. We had to go around, and, and I was just aggravated about it. I was, asked her, I was just frustrated. And she's like, why are you so frustrated? I'm like, everything's in the way. Somebody's always trying to slow my roll. She's like, you need to relax. (laughs) But taking that detour is a road we'd never taken before. And on that road, we saw some things we'd never seen before. And it was an incredible artesian whale that we drove by. And I was just like, that's an incredible thing. You, you know about artesian whales and all this? He's like, see, you would have never seen it if it wasn't for the roadblock. And you're all mad. And now you're all happy. Just like that, she sounded just like it. At least that's how my ears interpreted it. God knows you just love nature and you love the woods and you love everything about it. And you see, God just taking you a different path so he could show you something. Time for this! They're about to run rather than walk. They just don't know it. They're about to walk circles, not in confusion, but around their enemy. We come into the close of this series. And let me ask us one last question. 
What is it that keeps you awake at night? I know what keeps me awake at night. All day long, every day, it's always fix something, right? Just once I'd like to go to bed and have a dream where I don't have to fix something there too. Last night, I have no idea why Eddie and I were going on vacation together. But I was okay with it because I know if Eddie's going, we're going to eat good. And we're, Eddie's driving in this car. I've never seen this car before. And, and we're talking about, we're, literally we were talking about, man, we're excited to just go and, and not have to fix anything. And in that moment, the car breaks in my dream. And I'm like, stuff won't even stay unbroken in my dreams. It's just me, though. What is it that keeps you awake at night? What is it that hinders you? What is it that blocks your way to God's promise? That's your Jericho. The walls of Jericho, let me just say this to us, and here's a great theological revelation that maybe we get. The walls of Jericho didn't stand in the way of Joshua taking the city. It stood in the way of Joshua's route to the interior of God's promise. Can I just say this to us? Sometimes our obstacles that we're facing right now have nothing to do but hinder us from where we want to be and where God wants us to be in the future. Every roadblock by the hand of the enemy is to hinder God's promise in your life for the future. And sometimes what you're fighting right in front of you isn't about where you are now, but it's about where you will be in the future. See, the problem in our, is, is, is in our lives, those things that happen that defy solutions. We all got them, let's just be honest. Those are areas of God's special arenas for His great grace, and his great power, and his great mercy. I want you to grab a hold of this, because I'm going to say it, I want to say it slow enough that we get it. Victory isn't found in pushing through in our own strengths, or our own schemes. It's in cooperating with what he intends to accomplish in his own way and in his own time. I don't have time for it today, but I should have brought my shofar in here, because... Here's where we're at. And so far, so good. No one's going to remember anything in this sermon but that. <laughs> Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 30. I just, I need to read it to us. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After, everybody say after. They had encircled them for seven days. Our obstacles are God's opportunities. So they must be encircled His ways. See, with biblical weapons, we can pull down strongholds. That's what 2 Corinthians 10 for says. And so let me, let me give you this. Let me give you this. First thing I want you to do, write this down. 
Encircle your obstacle with his power. The power that's only found in his presence. He is... He is as surely in our midst as the Ark of the Covenant was in theirs. Uh, when I got to meet with Pastor Rick, I was talking a little bit about some of the things that God had been sharing with us about the Ark of the Covenant, how they drug it around, and now he had them put it in front of it. And, and, and I, I watched his wheels turn when I was sharing. I was made me happy. I was like, yeah, I got him. I got him. I got something for him. He usually has something for me. And so afterwards, he's like, hey, can I read those notes? I was like, no, get you on. No, I sent them to him, absolutely, I sent them to him. Second, I want you to encircle your obstacle with prayer. Why did the Lord tell them to march in silence, except for the shofar? Because he wanted them to pray. Can I say this to us? And I know this as well as you know this. Warriors need to focus on their commander. And our commander tells us to pray. It's a command. Why? Because he intends to answer. I, I don't have time. I, I got something else I want to do. Third, I want you to encircle your obstacles with promise. See, the, promise, the problem is you don't know the promise for your obstacle. You don't know the promise for your problem. You don't know God's word towards you in your struggle. And you need to just say, what am I struggling with? Let's be honest about that. And what does the word of God have to say about it? Jericho fell because there was a people who placed their focus and trust on the greatness of God rather than the size of their problem. Have you allowed your problems to become bigger than your God? You see, I'm going to shock you because oftentimes the problem isn't as big as you think it is. The fourth thing I want you to do is encircle your obstacle with perseverance. Nobody finishes who quits. You tired of starting over? I ask you a question. Are you tired of starting over? Well, quit stopping. Y'all didn't say, that was good. That was good. Jericho was not very big. Ancient Jericho was about a half mile circle. Ancient Jericho had about 3,000 people in it, maybe. The city wasn't imposing, it was the walls. See, oftentimes what's inside your problem ain't as big as what you see on the outside. And here's the cool thing. Man, we were down in Bristol, Tennessee, for the race. Ryan, he said, man, you want to go to Bristol? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, oh, it's going to be much different than Daytona because Daytona is two and a half mile track. And they're 200 miles an hour, and man, it's loud when they come by you. He said, but at Bristol, man, we're going to be right on top of them because it's half a mile. You're right there. It, the track itself is a half mile. Just the loop is a half mile. So the straightaways aren't even a quarter mile themselves. Like, right? 
And he said, so the cars can't get separated from one another. They always stay on top of each other. So it's just loud, just loud. It's just loud. It's just loud. Like, yeah, I'm going to go now. It's loud. And man, we're watching this race. And the, the NASCAR guys can do this loop, this half mile loop in 14 seconds. Like we got pat track passes where we can walk around the track. And, and when you get up on the, the bank is banked so high that you can't walk up it. Like we got a picture of Corey like just leaning over flat-footed, almost touching the bank. Uh, because like, you know, they're 130 miles on the straightaway, which really isn't a straightaway itself. The whole thing is banked. And then in the curve, they're like 87 miles an hour. And so, you know, late at night, because it's a night race, when they hit those curves and they ride those brakes, the wheels glow. Yeah. And your whole body vibrates the whole 500 laps. Your whole body is vibrating the whole time. It's just like my butt cheeks vibrated for two days after we got home. Just. And, you know, we got, Ryan's got radios so we can listen to the pit crews. And some pit crews you want to listen to, some you, you just got, oh, I got to change the channel. That is R-rated, right? Like, um, and. You're listening to these guys, and so you got headphones on, and that muffles the sound. But listen, every time without fail, 100,000 people in this stadium, it'll seat 150,000 people in this stadium. Without fail, when they would do a, a restart, and those cars would come around wide open at, at, at the start-finish line there, everybody would take off their headphones. And I mean, it was just so loud. Even when the race was going on, it was so loud, we couldn't talk to each other. We were texting on our phone and showing each other our phone. Like, you know, like, you just, it's so your skin just like I was like oh, only in America it's so great and I loved it and I'm like this is a half mile track and, and, and man that's the size of Jericho like Jericho will fit inside of that do you see it can you see it like the city of Jericho would fit inside of the loop at Bristol that's how big I, I can't explain just watch You better turn it up. I hope it'll play. Look at USA, USA, you. Watch these guys come to the start finish line. I promise you, this does not do justice. Come on, Ryan. This is not, look at, look at Corey and Taylor. Bro. you NASCAR is God's gift to this country boy <laughs> Corey Taylor was it loud oh my gosh you're so loud <laughs> Jericho would fit right inside 
Now, NASCAR makes that trip in 14 seconds. They, they don't walk around the walls in 14 seconds. Can I say this to them, to you? What they thought was their biggest roadblock was their shortest obstacle. What's a half mile? When you already walked 40 years. Can I say this to us this morning? What is this thing in front of you, given what you've already been through? What is this thing that you think keeps you from the promise of God, given everything you have walked through to this point? Persevere. It may not be as big as you think it is. The last thing I think this church and everyone here must do is encircle our obstacle with praise. Worship anyway. Worship anyway. Because when we combine God's powerful presence with prayer, with promise, with perseverance and praise, what we do, church, is we create a vibration of victory that can demolish the most impenetrable strongholds. The book of Psalms frequently tells us to shout a bit. That's good for a little Pentecostal boy. That might freak some other people out. It does. Psalms 25 says, Let us shout for joy at your victory. Psalms 33.3 says, Play skillfully on the strings with a shoutful joy. Psalm 66.1 says, Let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Psalms 89.15 says, Happy are the people who know the joyful shout. On Palm Sunday, the crowd shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. God himself will shout, church. Isaiah 42.13, The Lord advances like a warrior. He stirs up his zeal like a soldier. He shouts. He roars aloud. He prevails over his enemy. Elevation's got a new song called Roar. I haven't heard it. It's like five months old or something. I just heard it this morning. And I'm like, what? He roars. Jesus shouted. 1143, Jesus shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus! Come on. And I got good news for everyone here and who's listening. He's going to shout again one day, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. When was the last time you shouted? Who cares? Who cares? Your problems are shouting at you. When's the last time you shouted? When's the last time you shouted over your family, praise and victory? When's the last time you shouted over your problem, healing and deliverance? When's the last time you shouted? When's the last time the church said we're going to shout? No, we're Christians. Let's be quiet. Do you understand that the Bible says there's only going to be 30 minutes of silence in heaven? You know what that tells Pastor Don? There's a bunch of noise up there. It's going to be like Bristol in Tennessee. Heaven's going to vibrate the place, man. Shout to the Lord 
When you emerge from the wilderness, somebody. Shout to the Lord when the Jordan River parts in front of you. Shout to the Lord when you cross another stage in your life. Shout to the Lord when an obstacle blocks your faith. Psalms 95.2 says, let's shout triumphantly to Him in song. It's not going to hurt you to startle the devil. Let's encircle our problems with biblical faith. A shout of victory. And go forward in Jesus' name to possess the promise that God has assigned to us for His glory. Can I say this? I want you to stand with me as the worship team is coming. Our days on earth are fleeting. Now listen, I'm not panicked about it. I just want to be prepared. Our days on earth are fleeting. Somebody say amen. Come on. The Bible says you're just a vapor. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, when the Bible says a day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years is as a day unto the Lord, the Bible's not trying to give you some mathematical equation. The Bible's trying to tell you that God exists outside of time. And it doesn't mean anything to him. But you and I, guess what we do? We live in this space called time. We live in between eternity past and eternity future. That's called time. But one day that will all end. And so our lives are fleeting, aren't they? And the Lord knows each and every one of them. But we must realize that He means for us to go forward. We've got to say no to discouragement and yes to strength. We've got to stand up in the moment and find someone to help. We gotta expect God to lead us where we've never been before. Just might have something beautiful to show us. We we need to prepare today for tomorrow's wonders. This church. This church. We trust God for the problems in the pathway of those things. We gotta build some monuments. It's okay. We're not in charge. Remember, he is. We encircle our obstacles with biblical faith and we claim the land. Don't forget to shout. Don't forget to shout. This is our journey. Hello, somebody. This is our journey. And God has brought us thus far, not for Jericho, to hinder us but so that our story continues to go forward to the next one. Hey, can you imagine them? Hey, not only did God split the Red Sea, but he opened the Jordan and he pushed the walls of Jericho down. The next town, can you imagine? Like, I know what AI is and I know what happened there and we learned from that. That's not this sermon. But they had to know it. They had to. Archaeologists said when they found the walls of Jericho, that the, it wasn't like an earthquake happened and everything just fell down. It was like, it was like somebody took a, a cookie cutter and pressed it into the dough straight down. It was, like, it was like someone pushed the walls straight into the ground. Can you see God? Now. <laughs> Told you.
I don't know if that's what happened. Listen, they want to try and tell me what the weather's going to be like. To, they, they don't even know what it's going to be like tomorrow. They want to try and tell me what it's going to be like in a thousand years. I don't know what it looked like a thousand years ago. I don't. But all I know is that this story has inspired us because of the history of God with his people. That I do know. And mine and yours are the same. And so this morning, I, I, we've been on a journey, and I just want to pray for us. You want to do some business with God. I know we've prayed a lot already and, and those things, but I just feel like, man, we're there, right? We need to start encircling our problems with faith. And nobody's scared about what you're facing because we're on this journey together. Don't be afraid to share that. This is my Jericho. You might just discover that it's theirs too. Hey, let's shout together. Let's shout together. Father, in the name of Jesus, today, your glory and your honor. That's our focus. Lord, what's seven days to encircle our problem given the 40, given the lifetime we've walked already? God, let us not be discouraged with the simpleness of our part in your supernatural work. Father, it's hard to believe sometimes that just our obedience is enough for you. God, that's what you say. And so I want to pray right now in the name of Jesus for Jericho. Whatever it is, whatever it represents in this room right now, God, I thank you that you already had a plan that the walls would come down. You all had a plan, God, that redemption would come and that we'd meet it and begin to see the scarlet thread from a red rope. God, I thank you, Lord, that... that you met Joshua that day to demonstrate that you weren't somewhere else. You weren't too busy to be involved in his struggle, his problem, and his wrestling. No, you're present. You're right there. And you had a plan to deal with it. God, help us to know, God, that you are not too busy for what we're facing. And show up with your presence, God, like the commander of the Lord's army like you are. And thank you, God, that the host of the commander of the Lord's army is enough for us. And Lord, I don't, I don't know what your plan is for our Jericho. Maybe it's a torch and a pitcher. Maybe it's a slingshot. Maybe it's a choir. Maybe it's just a small group of people from a nowhere little place in Michigan that you want to turn the world upside down with. But God, today we want to surrender our Jericho to you and we want to trust you as we go forward in the name of Jesus. Do it only you can do. And so right now in this place all over, if you're praying, pray with me. If you want to come and surrender your Jericho to the Lord, you're welcome to do that. We're going to worship for just a minute. We're going to worship for just a minute. I want you to move out. Jericho is something you want to lay down. I want you to come and surrender it to the Lord. Come on, don't be paralyzed by a problem. God's already fixing. 